What's up, witches, and welcome to Witch Space. I'm Gemini. And I'm Scorpio. And today we have Stephen Bright with us to talk about, well, a bunch of different things. But first things first, Stephen, can you introduce yourself and tell us all about you? Sure. Um, my name is Stephen Bright, and hello. I'm a tarot reader, an author, and an artist designer as well. So I kind of use all of those, those elements in my work. Um, I come okay. from the UK. Um, where I've always lived. Um, I grew up in London, um, and now I live in the countryside. With two bunnies. With two bunnies, yeah. Um, two bunnies. Um, and my partner, sometimes. We don't live together, but he spends a lot of time here. I feel that. Okay. Because the <laughs> you want to share about Mr. Gemini? No, it's just that's like, you know, like, oh, here's the drawer in your house like I remember doing that with Mr. Gemini and being like I don't live here but like I live here you know what I mean oh see I was thinking I kind of like the whole Frida Kahlo and her husband like they have a house they have two houses with like a bridge like the older I get the more I'm like you know I like you but I don't know that we necessarily have to share this much space together you know yeah I like that And and I you know we've been together 13 years and I think maybe the reason that we don't live together is why we've been together 13 years <laughs> so um yeah it works it works i think you know if it, if it works don't knock it yeah you know i'm sure one day we will live together but um like full time but at the moment it, it, it's okay for us you know the rabbits need the most space right like we have to prioritize for the babies so yeah they need space to run around and be rabbits really and we're up at four o'clock in the morning so I don't think that my partner is in any rush to get over here mm-hmm. <laughs> did you get there I, I wasn't planning on talking about the rabbits so much but now I'm just curious. I was the minute you said you had rabbits I was like we're talking about it oh they're constantly on social media like I love to see the social media like the rabbits come up um did you get them when you moved to the countryside did you have them in london like did you feel like it was like a country oh, no, thing to I, do to I, have- I lived in london until i was about um 17 and then i came here um and, and i've been back and forwards to london ever since um so i, I spent some time in living in london then i came back here then i went to university in london then i came back here um and the rabbits are a new addition they're only three years old now and i just just wanted a pet so that's mm-hmm. what I ended up with I was gonna get one and then I ended up getting two because the breeder showed us two and I thought I can't make a decision now so I have to have both of you and I, and I think it's better for rabbits to have rabbit kind of company as well so that's why I have two but I don't think I ever anticipated what hard work and yeah it's how expensive keeping rabbits are and how, how much worry that you have from keeping rabbits so um yeah it's been an adventure let's put it that way (laughs) and I don't know about England but here not every vet like treats every animal like it's yeah you have to go to like a small animal vet yeah well they're they're kind of um labeled exotic pets Mm -hmm. you know and I, I was at the vet recently and Sol the boy rabbit got ill he stopped eating and drinking which is something which happens to bunnies sometimes and it can be fatal so you have to kind of get really quickly to mm-hmm. the vet or I mean what I did is I ended up syringing him with water all night because um if he hadn't have drunk any water he probably would have died so 
um, you know, you have all of these worries that you just didn't an anticipate, you know, back in the 70s when my friends had rabbits as a kid, I just thought you kept them in the garden and gave them a carrot and that was that, but it's, it's kind of not that, you know, mm -hmm. they're much more um, complicated than that. You gotta watch everything they're eating and make sure they're drinking all this kind of stuff. Wow, sad, I would never would have known that. It's important that we have moments for the pets on the podcast. I think so. Yeah. So, all right. So let's talk about a bunch of different things. There's one thing in particular that we had mentioned that we're going to talk about, but I want to talk about a couple of things. You have a new deck, the Inner Eye Oracle. Yeah. And so tell us a little bit about that. How did that come about? Well, the Inner Eye Oracle has been in my head for many, many, many years. Um, I started off reading tarot cards but back in the late 90s early 2000s there was quite a lot of interest on forums about reading playing cards um, and I followed a few different people that did that and picked up some really interesting techniques and as I use playing cards and different oracles and tarot over the years I kind of adapted that you know, I kind of, I kind of took what I, I enjoyed from those systems and I kind of invented my own stuff as well. And I knew that one day I really wanted to bring all of this out to the world because I find it such an interesting and, and accurate way of, of reading. I'm not saying that tarot doesn't, you know, give those opportunities, but I think that playing card reading in the same way as Lenormand reading is very punchy very outspoken you know where you might get some whispers from the the ancient tarot i think that the playing cards or, or the nomen cards are sometimes a little bit like the the younger bratty brother or sister you know that just kind of says it how they how they mean it uh, and i wanted to kind of give that to people because i think a lot of times people go into readings and they just want to know what's going to happen what opportunities are out there that they can grab hold of who's in their life, who's going out of their life. So I developed a system that could be pretty much as watertight as, as I could make it for people to use. This is like a working deck in, in my opinion. This isn't, mm -hmm. you know, it brings reflection. I think all readings are there to reflect on, but uh, this is really just giving you the bare bones and, and the facts of a situation. So really it was about wanting to share that and, and to do it in a, an attractive way as well. I did the the art for the deck, which has a kind of a, maybe a more archaic feel to it. You know, it's, um, they, they look like old drawings. Um, I wanted to make the cards as attractive as possible because I know people like to have something mm -hmm. pretty on their tables. So it's kind of combining, you know, the, the, the important messages, but also trying to make it an attractive and, and usable deck at the same time. Practical is the word I would use. I have a wee tangent and I know it's going to touch on something that Scorpio wants to talk about, but I just feel like it's a good segue. So I'm going to do it and I'm sorry. Um, one of the things that I really loved about your Instagram presence is the, the beautiful, like colorfulness that you put into the posts. And even if you're posting about something that is, you know, maybe like maybe somebody we consider sadder or is like deeply reflective, you know, I'm, I, for me, I'm thinking about like the little children, the little, like, um, I don't know the word for that, but they're like articulated. Yeah, yeah, the paper um, dolls. Yes, the paper dolls. Mom brain is real. They, they're 
they're sad. They're not smiling, but they're so vibrant and beautiful. And I guess I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, what is color palette to you? You know, did you make the decision for your Instagram to be so vibrant because it's important? Um, color is important to you or is it representing something? You know, where did that come from? Well, I mean, I'm a bit of a chameleon because it hasn't always been colorful. Mm-hmm. Uh, I spent many, many years walking around like a silhouette, you know, shrouded in black mm-hmm. that I went. Um, and, and I guess that was a statement in itself. Uh, and then I got to a point where I thought, you know, I, I, I want to kind of bring some color into my life. Um, and I'm, I'm a Pisces. I don't do anything by halves. So I kind of splashed the color as loudly and as boldly as I could. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of spread out into all areas of my life. So um, it, my interiors in some of the places where I, I work here are really, really co- colorful. I have a, a real Mexican vibe going on in my reading room art studio um and my clothing became very bright you know not just a little bit but a lot mm-hmm. uh, and it kind of spread out into my artwork as well but I mean I've, I've always enjoyed color so it's not really a new thing mm-hmm. I'm kind of almost stepping back into my 20s when I was quite flamboyantly dressed and enjoying bright colors then so but I, I think that you know it it, it has a way of wearing color on the outside helps to bring the color out on my inside as well so I'm I suppose in a sense that's a little bit like magical work to some extent Mm -hmm. you know I think that aligns also with what you're saying about wanting to make a beautiful deck you know that that having that vibrant sort of referencing these old drawings is a magical work in itself to have people be able to then bring the color or the facts in this case out into the open yeah, and I mean, you say about the, the the dolls not smiling. I mean, it wasn't a conscious decision. It's just kind of every time I make one of those paper dolls and, and hopefully eventually those collages will manifest into some kind of deck, whether it be an oracle or a tarot, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yet. But um, each time I create one, they kind of almost create themselves. And that's the wonderful thing about collage because you just kind of create these shapes and you put them together and you move them and suddenly these little characters are born and, and it's almost like they did it themselves. So some some of them have got kind of an almost smile, but some of them, they look kind of miserable and a bit, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> um, but I think there's, there's, there's beauty in darkness as well. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, it's a mixture of all those things. I, th- I think, you know, as artists, we, we pull a lot of ourselves into our work. And sometimes my face, says things I don't always want people to know. <laughs> uh-huh. Maybe it, there's an element of that in it as well. Yeah. You know, I, I was thinking about this one particular doll that I don't know if it, I don't even know what it was called. I don't know if it was popular in England, but the paintings were popular, I think everywhere. The kids with the big eyes. Oh yeah. Right. And there was a doll with the Do big eyes. The Blythe doll, is it the Blythe doll? Maybe she she had she looked sad. She had a tear. Oh right, okay. Yeah, she uh, had like this tear, and she yeah, like you could. Take I know nothing. Tear. It was like a little plastic thing, and you and she had like a little spot. You could put the tear there, and her eyes were just kind of like, like looking at you. And the thing is, I remember. I mean, I had one. 
I don't know why my godfather bought that for me, but he did. But even as a child, kids gravitated towards these dolls because there was something very beautiful about them. Even though you knew she was never going to smile, you were never going to make her happy. I mean, she's plastic. Um, but there is something that even as young little people, we kind of see that everything is not rosy, right? Everything is not Disney. Everything is not, right? That there is some sadness. And I think that we can all gravitate toward that. And in a way, it kind of like, like, it helps to see, and this is something that I guess we were going to talk about later, but we can start bringing in now. Sorry. Some of the conversations that you're having on social media about connecting to things in the past, childhood, um, how we feel as kids, how we can reflect on this. And you were talking about tarot cards and reflecting and using that to connect to the past. So did these paper dolls kind of come from your reflections or were they separate or? I think they're very much connected. I don't think it was a conscious um, decision that I made, but when I look at them now, um, they're, they're almost a little bit like my inner children. Um, and I think that there is some healing work in them. You know, I think that, you know, even I look at those dolls now and you can almost kind of give them a little bit of love. I know that sounds a bit crazy, but one of the things I'd quite like to do at some point, I'd like to exhibit them somewhere, but I quite like to make people their own inner children so that they can have them and display them rather than the, the inner child being something in the past that's hidden and, and covered up. You kind of keep your inner child doll around, you know, on the wall. You say hello to it every day. You tell it it looks beautiful. You know, you tell it all of these these wonderful things that maybe you didn't feel able to tell yourself. So I want to talk a little bit about the book and we can keep talking about the inner child because I don't like tarot books. And I never knew what it was I didn't like until I read yours and I went, this is what I've been looking for. This is what I wanted in a book. So I'll be more specific. But um, so first of all, it feels, it feels inclusive. Just things like, you know, the minute I feel like every book I ever picked up said, buy yourself a writer weight deck. And you were like, yeah, buy any deck you want. You know, I think that that, and that's just like a minor thing, but it isn't right. You tell people to connect with things right off the bat. Like this is not me telling you everything. This is, I'm going to tell you a lot of stuff, but you have to start making choices now. You can't wait till the end of the book almost to start making choices. You have to decide how you want to use this, how you want to go about it. And I feel like that is a breath of fresh air. Um, did you write the book with the intention of, you know what, I'm kind of like, we need something else here? Or was it just because um, you love Tara and you were like, no, I just want to add more to the conversation? I, I was asked to write the book um, by Sasha Fenton. And I think, you know, with anything like that, people give you a little bit of a, a brief, they give you an idea of what they want. But I think what has become apparent with most work that I do is I kind of just ignore that and smash right through it and, and do what I like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wanted to write the book that I would like to have been given 20 plus years ago. Because when I started reading tarot, there wasn't, you know, back in the 90s, there were books, but there was not a lot of books, or at least not the kind of books we have now. And it was a very confusing 
first couple of years to me in tarot because I bought um, I bought the deck that I liked the look of, which was the Roig Tarot, which at that point I had no idea that it was a Thoth clone. I had a book which had Rider Waite Smith meanings in it with Marseille illustrations. So I was confused <laughs> with all of this and I had to feel my way around. And, and I almost kind of don't regret that because I think it wasn't easy, but I kind of kept going with it and I persevered and got through to the other side. And it, it meant that it wasn't just handed to me on a plate. So I really like the idea, especially that you say, you know, it kind of allows people to do their own thing. And I, I give people, I think what they need, but on the other hand, I encourage people to go and, and, and carve out their own path as well. There was things that, you know, I, I, I never saw in books back then, which I included in my book, which was like, you know, how, how can we read all of these court cards as situations? How can we read all of these situation cards as people? You know, if, if this, this four of cups comes up to describe a person, what does that mean? So I included things like that. And I tried to include ways in which those kind of meanings could be used as well. So I kind of smashed through the, the word count. I had, I had a word count and I pretty much ignored that and just did what I wanted to mm -hmm. do. Um, but, you know, I'm really pleased to know that you you enjoyed it. I, yeah. I want to create something which was useful and, and everything I create, I, I want to make useful. Uh, kind of a terrible, because there's, there's hundreds of those already. Mm -hmm. and I didn't see the point of, of, and I never see the point of doing something that's already out there. No, absolutely. I feel if somebody was starting now, this is the book that I would tell them to get because it's no, absolutely. I, I definitely, and it doesn't hurt that there's a poster because we all come on in the beginning, we all have these cheat sheets that we make for ourselves for any system. And we're like trying to figure something out. I still remember yours, Gemini, like when you had like, Oh, the like fold them out one. Yes, it was like one sheet of white paper that was like folded down into a little accordion so it would fit in the box and then I would yeah. pop it out. So I think just having that, I just think it's, first of all, it's pretty. Like I would want that in my house, whether I was learning the cards or not. And it's just a nice way to just kind of have it, especially if you have, you know, if you're lucky enough to have a space of your own mm -hmm. where you can just do that, you know, to be able to hang that up. And I just think it's so user-friendly. The language is just, it's to the point and it's it just usable. Whereas a lot of books might be really pretty to read, you know, as far as the language, but halfway through and I'm like, I don't ever want to read tarot. Yeah. No. I think a lot of the time it's, it's people just want to know what a card means and how it can mm -hmm. be used. Um, and even though the, the, the book is illustrated with the universal weight, I'm pretty sure that I don't, I don't actually mention the images and the cards once. I don't think, because when, when I was asked to write the book, we didn't know what book was going to be, uh, which deck was going to be illustrated in it. So it's very much talk about, you know, what the cards can mean, but don't mm -hmm. actually refer to any images which means that, that it's accessible to more people than just who have that deck. So you've done so many things. Is there something on your list that you're like, I am dying to do X? I think at, at this point, um, I mean, I, I've done some things, well, things that I wanted to do and I've done some things that I wasn't 
aware I wanted to do and, and I kind of tick those boxes now. I, I think one of the, the big projects that I, I enjoyed and I got a lot out of was the Oracle Creator, which was writing a book about how to create a tarot or an Oracle deck. And that was another one I was I was asked to write and, and, and the idea was, could you just tell us how to create a deck? And, and I thought about that and I said, yeah, I can, but there's so much more to it than that. You know, mm -hmm. you, you need to spend loads of time before planning this out to make sure that it's going to work. You need to, you need to even consider the fact that, you know, this deck that you have in your head, does anybody even want it? You know, if you're, if you're, if you're going to go out there and publish, do we need another one of these kinds of decks or, mm -hmm. you know, so there's all these kind of considerations. And then when I thought about that, I thought, you know, we're only really given half the story because a lot of people are going to want to print this or publish it. So how do we go about that? So the next part of the book, or the, the final part of the book is all about what to do after you've created your deck um, and to give people a glimpse into publishing, self-publishing. You know, if you, if you want to get it published, how might you do that? Um, if you want to self-publish, how might you do that? What might be the, the pitfalls of, of self-publishing or publishing, you know, both routes? And because there was a lot of information there that I didn't know myself because I've I've been published, but I've not self-published, that was when I started going through my address book and, and pulling out all of those friends and mm -hmm. inviting them to, you know, be interviewed for the book and to share their decks and all the different experiences as to why people create decks, because not all of them are for the same reason. Some people create tarots or, or oracles as part of a healing process, or one lady created a tarot deck because her eyesight was failing um, and she needed a deck that she could see. So there's so many different mm -hmm. things packed into that book. So that, that was one project that I really enjoyed and, and I, I'm proud to have done. Um, I never wanted to be a, des a designer or a creator who, well, you've done an a, a tarot deck, now it's time to do a Lenormand, or now it's time to mm -hmm. do a this, or to do that. So it has to be something that I'm really passionate about. I would like to create something with the, the collages and the dolls. Um, what else do I want to do? And I would like to work more with this whole idea of the inner child, which we, we, we've touched on a little bit as well. But at the moment, I'm not quite sure you know what what that's going to look like and and i think it needs a little bit of time to develop in my mind I, i'm you know if, if it takes me another four years to come up with the, the next deck that that's great but i, I don't want to be one you know i don't want to just chuck them out without mm -hmm. any kind of real purpose behind them i love the way that you're talking about this because it is very much reminiscent of like the fool's journey of like, I'm going on this big journey and I don't quite know what's going to happen. And I get things on the way that are really powerful and helpful to me. And one, I think it's cool to see like a diviner talk about basically being on a fool's journey. Like it's nice when things come back around, but it also sort of sounds like you're going on another fool's journey with the inner child project that you're working on and sort of going off, you know, I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know where it's going to go, but this is my new journey. Yeah. And it's exciting as well, because I think you, you can get to a point where, where you've done a handful of things and you kind of think, well, you know, there's only so, there's only so much that I can say about this one thing. Mm -hmm. Maybe I need to change direction. And I don't think we always know what that direction is until we're actually on that path. 
Um, and I think that's kind of where I am at the moment. I don't see the point of, of going back and, re and repeating myself. I feel that I need to expand in new ways and, and creativity is, you know, we don't always know how things are gonna open up and, and, and bloom. And sometimes there, there are things that we do and they don't work. And that's part of the journey as well, you know, mm -hmm. so. I'm exploring at the moment and I think that's a, I needed to get that kind of fun and excitement back into my, my work. Yeah. Have you had a lot of feedback from people? Cause I know I reached out to you when I saw it. I saw some of the posts. Um, what has been some of the reaction from people now that you're starting to talk about this inner child? I, I think there's, there's, there's different things for different people. I think that there's some of the stuff that I've been talking about helps other people to look at their own life situations. Maybe people that wouldn't have done that before or didn't feel comfortable to do that. And I think it, it's inspiring sometimes to be vulnerable or to see other people being vulnerable. I, th I think that we have an idea sometimes on social media that behind the pictures, everybody's having this amazing life. You know, the, the creators and authors are all earning loads and loads of money and everyone's happy as, as they look in the pictures. But it's not always like that. And and also, I think it's important to see that in those, those times where, for example, you know, I have achieved some stuff, but it wasn't always like that. I didn't always achieve things. Mm -hmm. And there was other steps on the journey that people weren't aware of. And I'm showing those, those parts to people, parts of the story. And if you're somebody who's in a place now where you're feeling you don't have much hope or you want to do something and you think you're never going to get there, well, here's a post by me that says, when I hit 40, I felt I was like on the scrap heap, you know? You know, I didn't, I didn't think that um, I was ever going to achieve the things or anything, you know? I'd, I'd had some achievements in my life, but I wasn't in a happy place. Mm -hmm but I turn things around. And I think that it kind of shows people that even at that age, you can still turn your life around for the better. Seeing somebody else do it, I think sometimes is inspiring. And I think for those, you know, listeners, they're hearing that and going, oh my God, I do resonate. Let's, let's take a minute. Let's step back and talk about what is the inner child project. Um, we've been talking about it's on your Instagram. It's available for people to see. And obviously We'll post that and we'll link it so that people can sort of see what we're talking about. But how did it start? What was what was the beginning of this? How did you get into creating this new journey that you're on? I think it, it came about. I was asked by Tony Savory and Jane Matthews to um, to speak on their their Pride Conference event, and and, and you know I like to I like to do presentations sometimes, but often finding subjects that haven't been spoken about or that other people aren't speaking about is not always the easiest thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and I ended up giving a, a lecture on the, the Celtic cross because some, you know, Celtic cross is a, a love it, hate it kind of thing for a lot of people. Some people really enjoy it. Some people don't like it. And I kind of wanted to show how the Celtic cross could be read when, when really broken down into small pieces so that it's manageable. And to give it that, that pride twist, I decided to read for myself, but for myself as a 13 year old. And when I was 13, I was at school in London. I, I kept my sexuality to myself because that was the safest thing to do. 
in a South London comprehensive. But I had my, my crushes. I had a really big crush on somebody at school. Nobody knew, but I was in a situation where, you know, all my friends, a lot of my friends were girls. They, they had crushes on, on boys and, and they had crushes on famous people and they talked about them, but all of this was kept inside for me. So, the, you know, nobody found out about any of this for years and years and years and years. And I wanted to read the cards for that person who I felt probably could have really done with that opportunity to talk at that time. And it was really interesting to me. I was quite surprised sitting there doing this reading because, for example, there, there was one court card, I can't remember which one, who was sitting in my environment portion of the spread. And I instantly recognized that this was the boy that I sat next to in maths. And we were friends. He didn't know anything about me. I didn't know anything about him, but I did later hear that he came out as being gay in his twenties. So we were two gay boys sitting next to each other. We could probably really have benefited mm -hmm. from discussing this stuff, but we didn't. And I looked at it and I thought, you know what? You had an ally in your environment right there, but you didn't know it. Um, I can't remember what the other cards in, in the spread were, but it, it really brought up a lot of stuff that I probably would have really benefited from knowing at that time. And I was having a conversation with that young person. If you fast forward now to a few weeks ago, um, I did a post about this and um, and I spoke about the, the, the 13 year old and I spoke about the Pride con uh, Conference. And, and I decided to do something for that, that 13 year old. And at that point, I, there was a, a British soap over here and I had a, a crush on, on a young man who was in it. Once again, I didn't tell anybody. I, I would love to have put pictures of him all over my, my room, but it probably would have aroused a lot of suspicion that I wasn't ready for. And I decided to do something for my 13 year old self. And I went onto eBay and bought him a signed photograph of this actor from when he was young. Um, some of this vintage photograph that had been signed by the actor. And I received it and, and it's a crazy thing, but it was such a lovely thing to get in the post because I know that my 13 year old self would have been doing cartwheels and be so excited to have something that was even touched by this guy, let alone signed. So the whole kind of inner child thing come about is going back into my past and either unrooting weeds that didn't need to be there anymore. You know, those, those, those mm -hmm. things that we were either told or we told ourselves that we, we weren't good enough or we wasn't worthy enough to go back and unroot those things or to go back and encourage that, that young person that they could be anything that they wanted to be. Because I really believe that the, the, the inner child or the inner teenager or, you know, the, the, the different states of, of who we are in, in our journey, they still exist with us in us now. And I think we still need to go in and feed that, that, that youthful part of us, you know, that, that sensitive part, that, that part of us that, that doesn't feel available, you know, to, to, to stand up and be honest about themselves. So that, that's kind of how it all came about. Uh, and now I'm just kind of, I'm going back and I'm, I'm finding different parts of myself and talking about them because I think that other people have been there too but we, we don't always talk about it. And I think that it's a great, I don't want to say evolution to social media, but I hope that, because I'm seeing 
other people doing different things on social media that talk about the truth about their lives. You know, I follow somebody who is well known in rockabilly. She is, was a pinup model, all this stuff. And she's been really honest about her health, things that people didn't know, you know, and what she goes through. And I'm finding that refreshing. I don't know if that is the evolution of social media, us being able to connect. We were connecting on a superficial way before. And now this idea of being able to really follow people and connect with people, because like you said, we can all benefit from that. Like, I don't think there was one person who read that, that didn't flash back. Cause I know I did, you know, of things. And I know I commented on some of your things um, because it just, it takes you back to you or you with a friend or, you know, somebody else's journey that surprised you because they were part of your life or whatever, you know, I do think that it's helpful. Absolutely. I think, you know, even if it helps a few people, it's, it's worthwhile. And I have lovely comments from people, uh, but I also have private messages from people as well who say things like, you know, that, that was really helpful. Or, you know, I, I've had quite a few people write to, write to me and say, oh my God, that post may, really made me cry. You know, my intention is not to make everybody cry all the time. Um, but you know, <laughs> if it helps in some way, I, I, I look at different parts of myself and I try to trace back to the root of those those, those problems and, and find out ways that they might have manifested. So th there was another one that I, I wrote about um, imposter syndrome. That was that was one. Um, I wrote one about abandonment issues, and, and you know I don't think I have really strong abandonment issues, but I think that you know it's part of my makeup. Um, and I traced it back. There was there was two situations. Um, one was when I was born, um, my mum was really, really ill. She had um, something called toxemia, which I mean, these days you, you can, they, they can sort out the doctors and the nurses, but back then they couldn't. Um, so my mum nearly died and I nearly died. So they managed to, to pull us both through, but I was whipped away from my mother for about six weeks, I think it was and put in an incubator. So I didn't have any real contact with my mum. And when I look back at that, I think, you know, I wonder if, you know, that, that's a really important part of somebody's development, that those, those, those first months. Could that be why sometimes I, I feel that people are gonna leave me? Is that, you know, or, or that something's gonna end because I was taken away from my mum so early, you know, through no fault of anybody's, but it still has an effect. And I think that these things, they raise themselves again in, in the post I was talking about being at school at the age of 11 and, and two boys who I'd, I'd been friends with since five or something turned around and said, we don't want to hang around with you anymore. And that, that wound that was probably already there was, was ripped right open again. So I think, you know, as adults, we can be that parent that goes back and says, do you know what? you don't need them <laughs> you know they're they're not good people there was nothing wrong with you there is still nothing wrong with you so it's almost kind of like parenting those younger parts of yourself and, and changing I think changing the way that you view situations it wasn't your fault that you were separated from your mom it wasn't your fault that those those two boys had nothing to do or didn't want to have anything to do with you anymore but we don't always know that. And we, and we kind of, I think, subconsciously keep those, those thoughts within ourselves. 
and torture ourselves for years and years and years. You know, I'm, I'm not good enough. I don't fit in. I'll never be this because somewhere in our life, someone said that. I just had therapy yesterday. All right. <laughs> I don't like we. I was not emotionally prepared for this. Also, to be therapy. <laughs> um. Okay. Cool. I'm fine. We're great. What I actually do want to know is, is this magical for you? Yeah, I think it is. I think because it is. I think the way you're talking about it really resonates, and it it. This I see as well. What you guys talk about, like people being more vulnerable. But I love the the way that you describe it. And maybe this is a Pisces thing. Maybe I like Pisces, where it is this sort of sort of beautiful thing that you're doing. And and I guess not only is it magical, but how how do you allow it to be magical? Yeah. And also, I mean, I'd like to say as well that I'm not sad. You know, I, I'm I'm just kind of going back and and highlighting things mm-hmm. in my life and how they affected me and how I can go back and almost like clean out those those things mm-hmm. um, and, and understand them I think it's about understanding going back and understanding stuff um I don't share everything on social media you know this of course there's there's always going to be stuff that you you keep back there's always going to be I think for everybody there's going to be buttons that you just do not want to press mm-hmm. you know so it, in a sense these 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 buttons are revealing parts of me but you know that I'm okay with that That, that's okay you know I'm I'm not I'm not here crying and and writing these Mm -hmm. things I'm 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 kind of using them as as a way of inspiring people if I can Mm -hmm. do you find that doing art with the painful memories makes them easier or is it more about using that art as sort of a an entry point for other people to then come in and say, I can look back at these weeds that I have and uproot those as well. Yeah, I think it's kind of just, it's like giving, you know, if you look back at the, the tarot books, um, it's about giving people tools and and giving people maps and, and, and direction. I think, I think sometimes it's about looking at thought patterns that you have. You know, if you think about like the Eight of Swords, in the tarot and, and think about how those swords that are surrounding the person in the card, not all of those, those, those thoughts that make a prison are ones that they came up with themselves. Sometimes other people put them there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we allow them occasionally to, to stand around us and imprison us, but we, we quite easily could, could pull some of those out, you know? And that's what it's all about. It's about showing people how to do that. Mm-hmm. That was impeccable. I'm writing, I'm making a little note. Not every thought that we have was put there by her. That's how it's going in the therapy. It's fine. We're in therapy today. This is great. I love this for us. <laughs> Just jotting it down. Yeah, I saw the light go on. I'm like, she's writing this. Oh, can I? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We've been doing this long enough. Like I know exactly like, yeah, that was her thought process. She's writing it all down. You good? Yeah, no, I'm fine. This is fine. I'm totally okay. And there's nothing wrong. Um, it's, it, this is great for a lot of reasons. I like everything you're saying. I obviously love the art that you're doing and the creativity that you're showcasing. Um, for me, it's really validating. For, like personally for me, it's really validating to hear this because I think it's, you know, 
a journey that I'm on as well as a new mom trying to figure out like, where are, where are my sort of weeds that I don't want to pass on to my son? But it's nice also to see this as a magical tool, to see it as something that can go with, you know, tarot and divination that can be a spiritual expression. Because I do, I think it's something that is approached typically as more of like a psychological thing. Like you go to therapy and you deal with this and having another outlet, I think not only can be really powerful for people, but might work better in some cases. You know, I think for some people going to therapy is really hard. And so having this example from you to be like, this is how I'm doing it. This was my experience. Here are ways that you can do it. I think is something, it's such a beautiful gift to give to the community. And I think, you know, I, we spoke earlier about, we, we approach tarot in our own ways. You know, there's so many different ways of doing it. There's, there's no real manual that says do it this way. Um, whenever I, I write anything, I encourage people to personalize it. I, I wrote a book on divination. Uh, and one of the things that I tried to do for every chapter was to kind of show people how they could create things at home. You know, if you want to do the I Ching, you could you can create your own. You know, you, you've got coins at home and you, you can mm-hmm. do it. This if you want to work with Lenamond or Kipper or anything like that, get some playing cards, write the names on. You know, you don't have to go out and buy these things. So I, I like people to be creative mm-hmm. with how they get their therapy or how they um reflect and so you know I'm not a therapist and and I'm not telling somebody how they need to do it but if it inspires you to spend some time doing something that will make you feel happier in the long run then go go give it a go you Mm -hmm. know don't have to buy a, a picture on eBay like like I did but it just seemed to be the appropriate thing at the time and it brought some happiness to both me and the inner child you know yeah you know I was gonna say I did that this is going back a while when my father died um I used to have a playmobil is that what they were the little wooden things okay so I had the ferris wheel okay and he bought that for me because we used to go on walks and one time I saw it and I don't know what happened he got it for me and of course you get older you get rid of it and then he passed away And I was like, I don't know why I thought about that Ferris wheel. And I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going on eBay and I have it. You know, I bought it for myself. It was Mm -hmm. just really important for me to have that. And I didn't really, I don't think I really sat with it for very long, like thinking about it. I think I just knew it was something that was coming up. I knew it was just related to my dad. I was sad and this thing made me happy or whatever so sometimes it doesn't have to be like you said it's not about necessarily always thinking about it because we're not therapists to ourselves um but sometimes just listening to ourselves just saying it's okay you know i have kids all the time that say to me i'm afraid of being an adult and i because i teach seniors and i'm like what are you afraid of they're like well being an adult i said okay so let me tell you about being an adult pay your bills may your word be your bond, right? You tell somebody you're going to work, go to work. If you agree to something, just do it. I said, after that, you can do anything you want. Like I actually gave kids the freedom to go to a toy store. Like you like toys. I have a whole collection of stuff. 
I have a whole cabinet full of action figures. Who is it hurting? Mm-hmm. Right. This idea of who we're supposed to be. And I think that as we get older, if we don't take care of the little child and the things that are bothering us, then we just have more things piled on top of us. Well, you can't do this and you're supposed to be this, or you're supposed to be successful, quote unquote, whatever that is by the time you're a certain age. Oh, you passed 35 and you didn't do X, Y, and Z. Well, I guess you're a failure now. You suck, right? Where did all that come from? Yeah. And I I think, well, we see that a lot now, don't we? But I I think, especially in terms of, of social media, we see a lot of perfect lives. You know, people say to me sometimes, oh, you know, you, you, the photos of you on social media, oh, you always take such a good photo. And it's like, well, you didn't see the 30 that I took before that one, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we see what people want us to see. So people's lives can look a whole lot more exciting, successful, sexy than they actually are, you know. Um, I think I, what I'm, I'm trying to do is to almost just fill in the blanks and, and, you know, and that's not to make everybody miserable and say, you know, life sucks in some places, but yeah, it does actually, you know, sometimes it does, um, but we can get over it. You know, we can get past these things as well. You know, and that's, well, that's is that not why sometimes we go for tarot readings or we, we read the cards is to find solutions. Um, at least that's, most of the time why why I read them for people but yeah I I love the idea of you telling students that you know that you don't have to stop being a kid when you're an adult feed those muscles I think it it's very interesting to tie it back into the inner eye oracle that you've created this deck that is playing cards but is also something that you can divine from because I do think for most people the first deck of cards you see is just a deck of playing cards. You know, the, the first, like when I think of my first deck of cards, I think back to like playing war on the Jersey shore with my family. And so the idea that I could then be able to buy this deck and be able to play war with my family, but then also use it as a divination tool feels really in line with this idea of like healing that inner child, working with that inner child, because yeah, tarot and divination are huge parts of my adult life but I can easily also incorporate this like beautiful callback to when I was younger. And maybe that would make my divination better or different or, you know, change something interesting that I could then look at to say, okay, how, what is different now if I'm using this type of deck with Mm -hmm. that callback versus a traditional rider weight deck? I think, you know, as well, when you think about the, the members of this community who, are reading for other people. You're you're incorporating the adult and the child. You know, you, you have the child who's playing with the cards. You know, who's finding stories and deciding which character is which. And then you have maybe the adult who is um, providing advice for somebody. You know, the more responsible advice. So you're kind of both of those things are being used at the same time. Mm-hmm. I think to read tarot well, you need to play. You need to yeah. kind of look at them as a, almost like a, a storybook. But, you know, we do some very serious work as well. Um, we help people to, to help themselves. And I would like to ask you kind of, this is, this is a lot of question and I'm sorry, but you've talked a lot throughout this interview about how important it is for you to give back and important for you to share with the community. Why is this, why is our community so important to you? Why is the divination community so important to you? 
Um, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's just the divination community. I think, you know, it's anybody who reads. And, and I know mm -hmm. that there are people who read my posts who don't own cards or, or don't divine. Um, you know, I, <laughs> it seems like I'm kind of revealing all these aspects of my life. But one of the, the things, one of the, the big standout points of my life was that I gave up drinking and smoking when I was 40. So I haven't drank alcohol or smoked for 11 years now. I had a very sociable youth. <laughs> I, I went out a lot, I drank a lot, I met a lot of people mm -hmm. uh, and it was great for a while. But I think if, if you continue to, to do that at the, you know, in the manner that I was doing it, which was a lot for a long time, you get to a point where maybe it's not the healthiest thing to be doing. Mm -hmm. And at 40, I decided, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing this anymore. You know, all of the bad decisions I've made in my life is when I had a drink inside me. So um, I, I changed my life. And every year since then, I put up the anniversary on Facebook and probably Instagram as well to say, you know, it's been another year. And every year I do it, I get a lot of comments and I get a lot of personal messages saying, I'm at that place now, this post, it, I saw it at the right time, you know, mm -hmm. but I'm kind of scared about it. I, I don't know how people will react because what will my friends say when I, I don't want to go out drinking with them? You know, all that kind of thing. Um, and those sometimes are the most satisfying posts for me because I can see that people want to change their lives and it's kind of providing them with a little inspiration to do that. But mm -hmm. a lot of those people are not tarot people, you know. They're, they're, they're just people just reading my posts on Facebook who don't share those feelings with anybody else, but they feel they can share them with me because it's something that I've experienced. So I, I do care about the community. Um, I, I run a magazine uh, for the community called The Esoterical, where we discuss everything divination. Um, but I guess I just, I think anybody who's an artist, writer, just enjoys to share stuff. Mm -hmm. And I kind of think if you're gonna be authentic, just to share stuff that you've experienced, you know, at 51 I am now, I've experienced those are different things. Why not, you know, mm -hmm. why not kind of give some of that wisdom out that, you know, some of that stuff that we've learned from. I'm going to take a moment to soapbox to the audience because I think that what you said is beautiful. And I think that I just want to remind everybody that giving a shit about people is important and valuable and you're such a great example of that to be like, I not only am I, you know, in a community that is giving back and I'm giving to, but I care about everybody and I'm, I'm giving to the people who need it. And I think that sometimes we all just need to take like a step back and think, you know, how can I help someone else? Because there's going to be someone out there thinking, how can I help? And they're going to be helping you. So it's just, you know, if we can continue to be as humans communal to each other in whatever way we can give. I think that that, that betters all of us. I think you know, everybody has experiences. You know, if you've lived on planet earth, you have experiences. Um, everybody's overcome something. And I think there are so many people out there who, who don't feel that they have anything to share, but that's not true. Mm -hmm. You know, we've, we've all had dark moments. We've all had, light happy moments as well and and both things are, are good to share you know share the great stuff as well as the you know the, the darker things too 
you know, if, if, if a happy story makes someone laugh, you know, I get frustrated with seeing all of the memes and the videos on Facebook, but you know, they do make me laugh sometimes. Mm-hmm. Off the day with one of those, it's a good thing. You know, yeah. we've got something to give. And, you know, I think it's really important to note that it does take courage to mm-hmm. say, because like you said, someone commented, how are my friends going to feel? You know, you said somebody messaged you and I know somebody who is going through that right now. They're younger. And his whole thought was, well, where do I go? What do I do? And I'm like, let's go to this sober bar I know. And they were in shock. They're like, what do you mean sober bar? And I'm like, it's a great place for mocktails. That's all they have. And the owner reads tarot cards too. So if you want to have a reading. <laughs> yeah. But like I went and I'm like, this is a wonderful place. And we're seeing more of that, at least mm-hmm. in New York City, more of that because, and we just need to encourage other people who are going through that. Like they know like, yeah, like that's where I go. You want to go with me? Like, it's really cool. Great music, great vibe. And you can have something really cool to drink besides a soda. She makes a wonderful thing called an Almond Joy. It's like, it's not quite a milkshake. It's not milkshakey, but it's chocolate and, and nice. And that's it. You, you leave there feeling really happy, you know? So, but I think it takes courage. I'm sure the owner of that bar, people told her, what are you crazy? You're not going to serve mm-hmm. any alcohol. Who's going to go? Good luck getting in sometimes because the place is packed. You know? I think that people have options I think that's that there are other things to do um and I'm not sure over here a lot of people realize that I think that people think there is only like one thing to do I I you know I'm not somebody who was a a problem drinker or anything I I was just somebody who probably had just continued the same lifestyle for a little bit longer than I should have done Mm -hmm. um I think how I can put this. This is the part where Stephen drops another bomb of wisdom and I freak out and write something down. So I'm prepared. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I have a wisdom bomb. I, I, I think, I think, especially over here in the UK, for a long time, we were only sold one option, which was, you know, you, you reach 18, or well, actually, you don't even worry about that over here you know you start drinking at a certain point and you go out and, and you drink as much as you can you can um and then you fall over and then you regret it all the next day and then repeat to fade you know you just continue doing this and apparently that's having a good time um and i think for for a while it probably is quite a good time but after a while it starts to become a miserable depressing time you know mm-hmm. and, and i'm not one of those people who would I never drank at home i never drank by myself my drinking was all sociable, but I just never knew when to go home. <laughs> and in that amount of time, something would always manage to go wrong because it always does when you've had too mm-hmm. much. Um, and I just realized that, you know, this, I think you can get to that point, you just think this is not making me happy anymore. So I need to change something. But I guess that there is, there is courage in it because people, I said this today on social media, you know, people, say, God, you know, we want you to be better. We want you to face up and get rid of your demons. And, but sometimes people have their own agendas and it's like, yeah, don't drink. But but when we go out, you know, we're going to have a good time, right? You know, don't, <laughs> you'll be drinking when you're with me, won't you? And you're not going to like not come to my party. So I think that 
you know, people can be, they have their conditions. And, and I lost some friends, or maybe they weren't real friends, but I lost some acquaintances mm-hmm. over that time because some people didn't want to sit around and have a cup of tea and a proper chat. They just wanted to talk at each other and not really listen to what the other person was saying. So. I don't know if you guys had this problem, um, but I come from the everybody gets a participation trophy generation. Um, And I remember very vividly this push from parents that like, you have to follow through, you have to finish the drill, you have to go to the end. And I think, you know, I think there are ways in which that's really helpful, but I see a lot of people my age who like, don't know when to quit things that are hurting them. And sometimes you need the permission from someone else to be like, no, 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 you could just stop that thing you're doing. You can just stop. You don't have to finish the drill. You don't have to stay at the job you hate. That's making you like want to die. You can just quit. Um, And like, it does. It takes so much courage because we see, especially like for me and and the people I grew up with over and over and over again, you got to do it. You got to do it. You got to get there. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to finish it. It's like, no, sometimes I just want to like relax. I just want to drink a cup of tea and have a chat and not worry about whatever this grind is that I didn't sign up for. Yeah. Yeah. I I think so. Um, And I think once again, it's back to options, isn't it? That, you know, stopping doing something like going to the pub doesn't mean to say that you can't do anything else there's always yeah. something else you'd be doing um and, and I've just I realize these days you know I have a, a, a probably a small group of friends that I see I mean back in the old days I probably had somebody I could have gone out with every night of the year for two years <laughs> but but now I have a small group of people and, and when you're spending time with people who you're in tune with and who make you laugh and have interesting stories to tell. It really doesn't make a difference what you're drinking or where you are. Mm. So kind of caught up in in that moment with with people, the other stuff doesn't matter. A friend said to me, you know, when when the drink becomes the noun in the situation, that's when the problem starts. You know, when it's all about going out and drinking, or it's all about going out and just eating, or you know, what, whatever that thing is that's when it becomes the problem you know drink is not a bad thing in itself you know it's mm-hmm. a nice accompaniment to some situations but it's when you know we're, we're in devil ter- territory aren't we you know it's when mm-hmm. it's in charge of us rather we're, than we're in charge of it and, and mm-hmm. I think I'm just one of those people that you know after two drinks it takes charge of me and not the other way around However, so many things that can be the devil, right? It doesn't have to be alcohol. It can be, I mean, I think of like my mother who just compulsively cleans, like sometimes that's the devil for her, right? Like sometimes you just need to, you need to calm down, girl. You need to relax. Like it's in control of you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, once, once the balance is off, um, you've got problems. And I know I'm the first person to admit, you know, I'm not a balanced person. I am an all or nothing person. And that's why I drink nothing because I will either drink nothing or I'll see you tomorrow at AM. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> that, that's how it is. And I was the same with smoking. Um, I was the same with buying tarot decks. You know, not, nothing is just a little bit for me. Yeah. You, you know, you have to learn about yourself. Um, 
find ways of dealing with that. So, you know, in a sense, to be balanced would have been overcoming it. But I'm not balanced, so I, you know, I, I can't do things moderately. Mm-hmm. So I have to do nothing if it's bad for me. I feel that. <laughs> right there, I feel that. <laughs> I'm not like the hero completely. It's mm-hmm. it's, it's about yeah. working. It's like working out the inner parts of yourself. You know, why is this bit work the way it does? How can I make this bit work a little bit better? those kind of things I think that's what all of this work is about so if there is a new maybe they're not new to everything but you have somebody who maybe is starting out um and they're you know being a diviner this is they're starting on their path or they want to pick up tarot but they've read something else or they want to pick something else what's the biggest advice you think you can give them now that we've had this whole conversation about balance and who we are and getting to know ourselves and getting to help ourselves what would you say to somebody who's starting out you know what you should probably do blank you know the first thing that came to me was be yourself you know not every book is going to be the perfect book for somebody to learn tarot with it might not even be a book i think some people need a mentor some people need to just take those cards away, sit under a tree somewhere with a book and write down exactly what those cards mean to them. And none of those approaches are wrong. This is something I've learned over the years and you know, and I've changed my mind back and forth. I've kind of said, oh, you know, you know it, it's the best way would be to go and buy yourself a right away and, and get a book that, that speaks about the right away. That's not the wrong way to do it. It's just one way of doing it. But I think never, lose touch with with who you are um, and what works for you if that kind of deck doesn't work for you find one that does if the book meanings you know you if you read my book and you you look at the three of swords and that doesn't resonate with you think about what it means for you change it up when when i when i used to teach the celtic cross um I, i presented that at the uk tarot conference um and at the end i asked people to make an adjustment to the Celtic cross, you know, look at that, that, that spread. What part of it doesn't work for you? You know, what, what position doesn't resonate? Change it. You know, you're not going to tarot hell if you, if you, if you change hopes and fears to something else. Mm-hmm. Lightning's not going to come down and strike you if you, decide that you don't want to use reversals. You know, you, you do it how it works for you. I think, it's, and, and be consistent with that, you know? This was a lot. I mean, I... Sorry, as we've been talking, I've been thinking, God, am I just giving loads of stuff out there? God, we've gone into a child. <laughs> this is great. I think that it encapsulates so much of what we've been talking about this year and years prior, and it also, Like, I don't know about you guys. Sometimes I just like, I'm a little bit mad about it. Like I'm mad about the fact that there are people listening who need to be told by us that they can do what they want because they were never told by anybody else. And it makes me angry. Yeah. Yeah. There are many books on the shelf. (laughs) Thankfully, you know, there are many books on the shelf and you don't, you don't have to read them all. 
you can read bits of some of them and put some back and some of them you can just toss over your shoulder you know you are allowed to stop reading books that's another thing that people need to hear you can put a book down if you don't want to finish it well you know you you don't have to to read read books i mean i i think in terms of tarot it's always it's interesting if you're gonna you know people who have bought the inner eye oracle i i put together a long book in there it's a very meaty book i wanted it to be a meaty book because i describe a system for working with courts which pretty much helps you to see who is in your life who you are and you know what else is going on in in that as i say the most watertight way as i can but you don't have to use my system i created this deck so that if you want to just pull it out of the box and start playing with it on your own do it you know and, and i see many people on social media who probably haven't read my book because they're doing their own thing you know i, I don't have their heads cut off or anything you know go <laughs> go go play enjoy it in the way that you want to enjoy it and you know and i couldn't be happier I think that's all the permission that people need. Yeah. Go play. Go play. Yeah. If it's not bringing you joy, why are you doing it? You know? Yeah. Yeah. If it's not fun, don't do it. You know? I gotta go Marie Kondo my life. <laughs> I gotta go find what sparks joy. <laughs> but it's true. I think it's true. And I think this is... I, I feel like I just want to have you on, like every other episode. I just feel like there's so much that you could talk to us about. So I hope that you'll think about coming back and talking to us about, I mean, anything. I mean, this is, we've, we've been everywhere and I, and I love it. I would be more than happy to come back. I also think you should get um, a therapy license and then we can discuss maybe like a payment plan situation for this. Cause I do feel like you just did a lot of work here for free. <laughs> I mean, I mean, one of the things I, I, I would like to do, I think, as, as I move forward as a reader, um, and I think all, all people who read for other people or professionally will be able to relate to this, that you, you get a lot of the same kind of readings. And I think that you have a lot of people who come to you hoping that the card is going to tell them something nice. And I, and I would kind of, I mean, I, I think I'm kind of doing this already, but I think I would like to tailor my readings more to empowering people and mm -hmm. and you know let's let's not even just do a reading let's just pull some cards here and you tell me how this card relates to your life do you like it do you not like it if you don't like it let's think about some ways that we can change it if you do like it power to you you know this is great mm -hmm. so you know rather than kind of saying it's tall dark strangers coming your way you know blah 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 let's find, let's use the tarot really practically in a way that you can sift through and, and, and find those parts of yourself, which you can use for the better, you know? What, what better thing could you do with the tarot than that? Yeah, I'm gonna have to mail you a check for this. I'm gonna <laughs> check with my insurance, what the logistics are there. Oh, that's genius. That's, hey guys, if you're listening and you haven't taken anything from this, please go take your tarot deck and just flip over some cards and be like, how do I feel about them? That's fucking genius. And I'm going to go do it when we're done. But I did one reading, you know, that stands out with one card. <laughs> this guy, he, he, he made an appointment and we had an hour 
and, and for, you know, this just happened quite naturally. He, we pulled one card and we started talking about it. And then there's me thinking, God, you paid me this much money for an hour. I've got to, I've got to pull some more cards, haven't I? You know, don't you want 10? And he didn't want 10. But we, we spent this whole hour talking about this one card. And, and it must have been good because it's one of those regions that really stands out in my mind. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about it now. And it was a long conversation. He talked to me about things in his past. He talked to me about things that he wanted in his future. And every so often we circled back to that card, you know, but, you know, what, what does this card say about this? You know, what could you take from this card to achieve that? What could you take from this card to stop worrying about that thing? You know, maybe, maybe part of this card is the reason why. What can we do about that? So, you know, you don't have to chuck out massive, great big, spreads or anything you can sometimes just pull one card and and roll with it that's better than what i did to um aquarius there was a time in her life when she just kept asking me over and over again uh-huh. you know about yeah. a boyfriend and finally i just slammed the cards down and i said leave him <laughs> i said leave him the I cards said, say dump him I said, we're doing this every single time. I said, you're, you're not asking me a different question. I said, you already have the answer, but that's because I'm, you know, you're I you know her. I would never and Steven, Steven. But I was just like, stop it. I said, I'm not, yeah. I'm not doing this anymore with you. I said, you have the answer. What is the answer? And she was like, yeah. I was mm-hmm. like, you have the answer. So, but what I'm, what I'm trying to say with that is not, don't be mean to people. That's not what I'm trying to say. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is, look at that. Look if we had just looked at one card or if this person had just looked at one card and we they had just talked about it with themselves, right? If they don't want to go to somebody, you also have to be open to being vulnerable when you're being read, mm-hmm. right? You know, you have to be able to take something and go, oh God, you can't just... I, I think that's the superficiality that sometimes some people go to when they go to a reader, right? I just want to know, like, you know, should I be with him? Should I marry him or whatever? And then there's, yeah, how can I be empowered to make better choices or to just be happier or to whatever for myself instead of everything being a reaction to something that could happen in your life? Exactly. Yeah, it's all about being the cause rather than the effect. But I think, you know, here's another one for you. I mean, not every question needs a card reading. You know, there are many questions that we do not need to be putting cards about. And, you know, there has been times in the past where I've kind of pushed the cards to the side and said, look, this is my personal opinion. You didn't come here for my personal opinion, but, you know, I don't think the cards are gonna answer this question effectively. I think that even whatever the cards say to you, you're gonna turn it round to make it the way you want it to be anyway. Mm-hmm. So let's just have a conversation about this because it seems to me that you're not being treated very well. If the cards show that to be true, you're probably gonna dismiss it. If it shows that everything's rosy, then you're going to say, oh, thank God for that, I'm so pleased. So, you know, I, I don't think that every, every question that we have merits a card reading, you know, I. I don't go to the electrician to get my plumbing done. It's cool. I'm taking notes. It's fine. Everybody's <laughs> going to get, we're going to get so many great Instagram posts out of this posts. So many great Instagram posts out of this. That's how English works. You too. I think you, I think you've set me up for like the next month. We're yeah. I'll send you my list in case you're missed. Like we're golden. We got this. 
Is there anything else that we have not? I don't know. I feel like we've gone everywhere. This has been fantastic. <laughs> is there anything you want to plug? You want people yes. to know about, you want to share, you want people to see and hear and partake in? Yes. Not really. I, um, well, I mean, I have that, that deck out, but I mean, we've spoken about that already. Um, to be honest, at the moment, I'm just enjoying exploring stuff. I mean, I have the magazine. The magazine is, is something that um, is always worthy of plug because I don't think enough people know about it. And there are some great people contributing to the esoterical. Um, we're, at the moment we're in, um, we're working on the ninth issue, which will be out in October, which will come out at the UK Tarot Conference. It's available worldwide, digitally and hard copy. Um, we have Karen Kay in this issue, uh, Liz Dean, just trying to think who else is in there, but you, you, we have great people who write for the magazine. Mm -hmm. We had previews of great decks, mass market and independent. Um, we, we look at Instagram, I pick four people every issue who I think um, are worthy of a good plug, you know, for one reason or another. It mm -hmm. might be not so much great things to say, or they have wonderful aesthetics or, you know, you know whatever it is, we, we put out people and, and try to highlight the best in our community. So yeah, it, it would be always lovely to, to plug the historical. I, I would love that to be read by more people. Absolutely. And of course, uh, those of you who are listening, you already know that it is linked in the bio for the episode. And also you'll be able to access the links on our Instagram. Thank you. Of course. Thank you for doing this. Thanks for like therapizing me today. You're 100% welcome. I didn't realize that's what I was going to be doing, but you know. <laughs> me neither. Thank you so much to Stephen for spending time with us and having this amazing conversation. It has been completely magical. And of course, if you're following us on Instagram, you've seen that we have some magical offerings coming as well. We will be at Modern Druid in Nyack twice in October. On October 7th, we will be welcoming the Witch Space Lending Library and having a conversation about the importance of reading in your craft. On the 27th, we will be having a conversation about ancestors and ancestor work to help ring in Samhain and the Witch's New Year. If you're interested in either or both of these events, you can obviously check out our Instagram or Modern Druid's Instagram, as well as moderndruid.com. We're so excited to have the opportunity to see you guys in person, so please come out and say hi. Thank you again for being such an amazing audience. Please reach out to us with anything you might want to share. Hit us up on Instagram or shoot us an email at witchspaceco at gmail.com. Thank you to Kano and Moore for our amazing intro and outro music. And remember, if you're following the moons, you're following us. <laughs>